This Glorious Mess. Hello and welcome to This Glorious Mess. It's Mama Mia's podcast for parents who didn't realise that most song lyrics are incredibly inappropriate until you had to listen to them in the car with your kids. That's very true. That was the first time we were allowed to swear aloud was to the Steve Miller band, the story about Billy Joe and Barbie Sue, right? Mm. And there's a swear word in there. So we'd sing along in the car when we were like, you know, 11, 12, 13, and then swear on cue. That's a naughty word. I hate it. I hate it when the kids are singing along to a song and it's got rude words in it. Yeah. And I'm like, don't say that. And they're like, but Katy Perry sang it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, Or the overtly sexual songs where you go, oh, oh. <laughs> You know, there's your nine-year-old going, yeah, I'm just bending over backwards and I'm just giving it. (laughs) Oh, my God. Welcome to Modern Parenting. (laughs) I'm Holly Wainwright. I am a mother of two kids under eight. Yeah, and I'm Andrew Dado and I've got a teen boy and then two teen girls, 14 and 17. Mm. So... (laughs) (laughs) It's chaos in your house. Mm. Coming up on today's show, Year 10 Entrepreneurs. Is it okay for your child to profit off their schoolmates? Plus, we speak to the Melbourne family who packed their lives into a suitcase, brought a one-way ticket and set off around the world with three kids. Grab your laptop, pack the kids up. They only need a few toys. They hardly need anything. There's so much to see. Don't worry about many toys. Just, you know, pack a bag and, and go. That is my dream. Holly, there's a new product on the market, right? And it's by parents, for parents, and they've suffered a catastrophic number two with their child in a baby seat. And they've looked down, not only is the child and the clothing and the baby seat covered in Dukakis, right? But then they look down and see they've got Dukakis on them as well. And they think there must be a way to deal with this. So they come up with a product that appeared on Shark Tank in America. They're not called mittens, right? It's like baby wipes, but in the shape of mittens, and they're called shittens. Which is the genius part of this whole thing. And so the idea is that you slide your hand, z into the shittens and you clean up without getting Dukakis on any part of yourself. Yeah, what do you think? There's a flaw in this. There's a flaw in this. Is you would have to change your shittens a few times because what happens once they're dirty? Like the shittens uh, are dirty. Use then the you back to, of your hand. Then you have to take, use the back of your hand. Yeah, use the back of your hand, and then you have to take them off, How which you get involves them off? touching them with your hands, and then you have to put on another pair. Flap them off. Flap them off. <laughs> Spraying like poo everywhere while you do it. This ah, is... it's on the roof of the car. <laughs> this is a classic example of parents going, you know who's stupid and wants to buy lots of products? Brand new parents who don't know what they're doing. Mm. They're like, I know what I need. I need shittens instead of just a bag full of baby, baby wipes and some of those disposable fold-out things that you put under babies when you change them. Every new parent has been through what they call a number three, which is like <laughs> it's worse than a number two. Yeah. You have no idea how this cute little baby could have produced all of that awful foul stuff. And so I can see that shittens are attractive in that way because then it covers your whole hand. Mm. But it's <laughs> a good point. How do you get them off? If you've got, like most mums do, parents do, hand sanitizer in your bag and a supply of baby wipes, you can get through this, people, without shittens. Yeah. But it's a very funny product name. Yeah, shittens <laughs> for number threes. Mom, I don't want to clean my room. Love this from a listener of ours. We love it when you tell us what's going on in your world. Maybe give us a bit of dilemma to ponder or ask us for advice because we are very, very wise. As we often say on this show, we know everything, don't we, Andrew? Yeah, we've been through everything. We've seen everything. We're experts in nothing. Nothing. (laughs) Do not take any of this advice instead of for your doctor or an actual expert's advice. Yeah, and this is from Jackie, and this actually have not been through this 
My daughter went to year 10 formal a few months ago. It was her first one and she was very excited to go. It wasn't organised by the school. Instead, it was organised by two year 10 girls and supported by their mothers. I have no problem with that. In fact, I thought, well done, girls. Yeah, organised. someone has to do yeah. it. So the girls collected the money, booked the venue, the DJ and a photo booth. But my problem, says Jackie, is that they both made a profit on this of $3,000 each for organising the school dance. The girls inflated the price of tickets so that they made a profit. Am I wrong to feel like this is price gouging their friends and classmates? I'm new to this as my daughter is our eldest. Is this just what happens these days? Oh, my God, Jackie. (laughs) I have never heard of this before and I am floored. Andrew Daddo, what do you think about this? Uh, Well, the two girls organised it, so they obviously set a price at the tickets. People are happy to pay for those tickets. They all turned up, have a nice time. DJ, (laughs) photo booth. Good luck to them. Not good luck to no, them. No, no, no. No one will talk to them once they've found out they've made money. It will be an absolute disaster. Or do you think in our entrepreneurial culture, everyone will go, good on you, yeah, good on sister. You. I'm going to pull on my judgy pants. I'm with Jackie. I am appalled at this. Those girls, their parents, I'm sure you're all marvellous people and you know, you're, you're going to rule the world one day, mm. but you should not be trying to make a buck out of your fellow students at year 10. So how old are you in year 10? 15, 16. It's very unlikely that the people who are paying for those tickets are the kids. Mm. The people who are paying for those tickets are the parents, mm. right? Yes. As if there isn't enough shit that you've got to spend money on for a 15-year-old girl. You've also got to buy them a dress for that event and the shoes and the bag and the lift to the thing and then, you know, and you've got to buy them all the stuff. that. Like, honest to God, how difficult do we want to make life for parents? We just want to earn a decent living and have a nice life. I don't want to be making lining the pockets of some 16-year-old yeah. want to be business leader. I just want you to be clear about what you're saying. <laughs> I just want to understand that you're not happy about this. <laughs> Have I got a bit carried away there? No, no, I th- no, I think it's interesting. It's like when you get what to do you u- think? Well, when you get to uni, remember being at uni and there were people who would put on parties and they would make money and you didn't necessarily like them, but you might go because it was good fun, which is fine. But that's different than adults. It's, yeah, because the parents would have gone, I'm guessing, girls, why don't you organise the formal and you can make something out of it as well. Why don't you organise the formal for the kudos of organising the formal, mm. all of your friends loving you for it, getting to control it and having the experience of organising an event that maybe when you're an adult one day you might even use as a job. Yeah. Wouldn't that give you enough kudos already? Yeah, but then maybe the parents are those sort of people who go, look, I spent 20 hours on this and my time is worth money. $30 an hour I think I'm worth. That's what I get for babysitting. I, I mean, I, get, I completely, like, I, I, I get it, but I can't imagine. And I'll go back to school on the Monday afterwards when word gets out they've made six k out of it. That anyone's going to be happy about it. I don't think the teenage girls who go to the party will care because it's not their money. It's more like Jackie, the parents no. who are like, "You've made more than me this month, kid, and you're 16." I think, like, I'm, I'm very glad they put their hands up to organise it, though. That's amazing. They should be rewarded. So maybe they should have Some got... flowers. Get themselves some flowers. <laughs> In the old days, that's what would have happened. Yeah. Flowers. And think of all the social media love they would have got from yeah. all the girls who went to the party and the da-da-da. And now they've made $3,000 each, too? Yeah. So, Jackie, I think the good news is this is not what just happens. I think this is a rare one. This is a new one. If one of your girls had done this, so if one of your girls came home and said, I've got this amazing idea, Dad, would you go, yay, yo, girl, or would you go, I don't think that's right? One, I'd probably be going, wow, that's really well thought out. Good on you. But then I'd ask Jackie what she thought. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't. Have you got any thoughts of your own left after being married uh, for so long? Yeah, that doesn't actually work within my moral fibre. 
of making money out of your friends. Like, you know, it's bad enough when you're doing a fun run, right? Or doing, we're going to do the bloody long walk later in the year. And I am just catatonic with fear of having to email some friends and say, can you sponsor me? And that's so, for charity. And it's for charity. So I can't imagine if one of our kids did this, we'd go, yeah. But that's the other thing is that obviously Jackie might not have all the facts here. So let's put that in too. Is that these, but these girls could have given that $6,000 to charity. Mm, I and think, that would have made them look good. I think they did. I think they Are we going <laughs> to decide that they yeah, did? I think they did. And if you want to jump on board for the bloody long walk. <laughs> Mum, you just don't understand. So, Andrew, this story is pretty much my dream. So in February this year, Australian designers Joel and Rachel Cooper packed up their family from Melbourne and said goodbye to their store, which is called Frank and Dolly. I've got a jacket of theirs. It's very nice. With, that's not the point of the story. With their You're trying to get another one? <laughs> Send me another one, guys. I love it. With their three adorable children and a one-way ticket, they squeezed their life into five suitcases and set off around the world. Well. It might sound like a holiday, but instead, this family is actually embracing a lifestyle that allowed them to work and play from anywhere. So they're not having an extended holiday. They're just working from wherever they are around the world. And so far, they've been logging on from Indonesia, Singapore, China, Italy. They're in Spain when I speak to them. How amazing is that? Yeah, that's pretty good. Would you and Jackie have liked to have done that, do you reckon? Yeah, I I would do this. I mean, how good would it be? Imagine the languages. Good morning, kids, and seven languages come out. (laughs) Anyway, I spoke to them from Spain, and I tried to keep the envy out of my voice. So tell me, Rachel, you and Joel run your own business. You run a clothing business, and you're based in Melbourne. So what made you decide to pack up your three little kids and go on the road? We've travelled a lot, me and Joel, in the last 15 years. We've been to probably around 18 countries with children. We've got a little bit of travelling under our belt. We've been to a few different continents and that kind of thing. So it wasn't like a giant career change for us. It was more of a natural progression. So we're always just into kind of sitting down and looking at each other and going, what's our ultimate? What's our ultimate? If we could do anything, what would our ultimate be? And last time we sat down and looked at each other, this was our ultimate. It was to be able to travel around the world with our children, run our business from our laptop and soak in different cultures and different environments. So it took us about 12 months to plan. We had a shop for the last eight years with our clothing brand. So we had to make the big decision to kind of say good, not goodbye to our customers, but to shut our shop and and to move online and packing up our home, of course, and tying up all those those ends and planning our trip and where we want to go and what we want to do. So are you guys what they call, what they call, listen to me, I sound like an old lady, (laughs) digital nomads? Because a a lot of people have said to me about the idea of going on the road with kids is they're like, oh, it's a holiday or you have to, you know, give up work for a year. But you guys are taking your business with you. Am I right? Absolutely. We are not on a holiday. We're living on the road. This is our home at the moment. We are homebody nomads. We love home. Home is really important to us. Our kids are real homebodies. We're able to create little homes as we go and we are absolutely still working as we go. So a lot of people think that when they have their kids, that's the adventuring over or they think, oh, it will be too disruptive to travel with kids or obviously a big question about schooling, of course, but people generally think that your children tie you to a place. So what's your philosophy that means that that is not clearly how you see the world? It's pretty much opposite. 
I think we, we just don't give kids the credit they deserve. They are far more nomadic than we give them credit for. Often the stability that we think we're giving them is more for us than them, I think, at times. So absolutely, kids need routine, they need rhythm, they need security, they need all those things to be able to flourish and function. No question about it. But for us, we've always looked at what our kids need. As far as those things go, it's more like... Uh, they need their parents, they need uh, love, they need, you know, a relationship with their brothers and sisters, they need um, a few little things that are familiar and reminders and that kind of thing. So for us, you know, we had Poppy 10 years ago now and within six months we had booked a trip to Europe and she had her first birthday in Germany. So she was mm. incredible. Like kids just love soaking up new experiences. They're so good with meeting new people. You know, there's no walls up. We have had the most amazing experiences traveling with children. We've been open to so many new experiences purely because we have them with us. Tell me what an average day looks like for you guys on the road. We have a couple of different kinds of days. We'll have our travel days where we're moving from one country to the next or, um, you know, one place to the next. So those days are usually just blocked out purely as travel days. We don't try and squeeze anything else in because, mm. you know, that's enough pressure and activity as it is. But on a day where we're kind of grounded and in one place for a little while, me and Joel often get together the night before and we'll sit down and we'll look at, you know, where the business is at and, you know, what's on our immediate to-do list and that kind of thing. And then the next day we'll have breakfast together and uh, normally the morning will start with a walk and an adventure wherever we are. So wherever we're at, at the moment we're in the country. So we'll be walking through the olive trees and we'll go for a little walk down the road, go for a little walk into the village. Basically we adventure and we walk wherever we are because that will often just get us excited and get us moving for the day. And then we come home and Oak goes to bed, my littlest. He'll have his sleep and that's when Joel gets stuck into uh, running the business and I get stuck into homeschooling with the kids. Right. And then once Oak's up, you know, we just have a little bit more family time and go adventuring again. And then we all come back and I pretty much every night I cook dinner wherever we are because that also, you know, like we were talking about before, like I think for my kids, a little bit of sense of security for them, there is the idea that I can have some home cooking from their mum. So mm. that's one thing that, that we, has been a priority for us um, as far as, making the home environment for the kids. So I'll make dinner and, yeah, you know, just your normal chaotic kind of dinner time and, and then <laughs> all the kids are in bed. But, I mean, at the moment it's um, 10 o'clock is sunset in Italy. Yeah, of course, because it's <laughs> so, the middle of you summer. Know, and, you know, it's so glorious at, you know, 7 o'clock at night is just the most beautiful hour. So often bedtime kind of drags out a little bit. How did you know about how to do the homeschooling? Is there a kind of program for people like you who are travelling with kids? Like, how do you know what lessons to do? Because obviously your children are at quite different stages um, if they're 10 yeah. and 5. So what your 10-year-old is yes. going to need is quite different to what your 5-year-old is going to need. What does that look like? You know, I did look, I did heaps of research. You know, Poppy was going into five, into grade five. So I did heaps of research on grade five curriculum in Australia. And, you know, I just did lots of reading. You know, you collect all that information and you put it all together. There's some incredible programs out there. And um, I guess the thing for us is that a lot of it is online. And that's something that we really tried to steer away from. I don't want Poppy on doing homeschooling on a screen when she could be soaking in the cultures through by walking through 
the villages. So look, for us, what we've done is we've taken a little bit more of a relaxed approach. We've always got English and maths on the go and we work with workbooks um, with those subjects. And then when we're in Florence, we're learning about the cathedral in Florence and we're talking about the history of that. And, you know, we went to Siena just the other day and in Siena the city is broken up into 17 neighbourhoods and each neighbourhood is fiercely loyal to to its own neighbourhood and they each have a flag and so for Poppy homeschooling on those days it looks like talking to the local people about the the different neighbourhoods and drawing the flags and painting them and, and lots of journaling. That sounds amazing. This is really not helping my uh, my desire <laughs> to pack the kids up and do this. I'm like, that sounds like the right way to learn. How do you decide where you're going to go, how long you're going to stay in a place when it's time to move? Like, are you quite fluid in that? For us, it is more important to do one place really well than to kind of tick Mm. 100 countries off the list. So far we've done two months through Indonesia, a month in China, two weeks in Vietnam, crossed over through Singapore and then we had three months in Europe and that was kind of the first six months of our trip. So we had that planned and, you know, the tickets booked and that kind of thing. And then after that we decided we'll plan the rest of it as we go. And, you know, if it's not sitting right with one of the kids, we're very flexible just to fly straight home as well. You know, if this isn't working, there's no point trying to push it. So where to next? um, We are flying to London on Friday. We'll be there in the UK for six weeks, you know, staying at little homes as we go. And uh, we always pick homes over hotels. You know, for us, that's one key thing about travelling with kids is to stay in little homes through, you know, Airbnb or, you know, whatever. You know, there's a few of those websites now. So we've got some gorgeous, you know, Think about England, little thatch roof cottages oh, in little villages, you know, really kind of Beatrix Potter style villages. And then we've got some photo shoots in London. And then we fly to uh, New York uh, where we have another photo shoot. And then we fly to Canada. We're going to do a big road trip through like North Vancouver. There's some beautiful national parks up there. So we'll head up there for a month to do like, a big road trip. As I say, you have not cured my wanderlust. Just one thing before we finish up. Have you got a a big tip for anyone who is like me, maybe dreaming about this, but making the jump from a dream to reality? Do you have one kind of big tip that you'd offer? A couple of things would be to just pick one place and do it well. So many people can't just drop everything and travel for a year. If you can, just do it. So many trips that I've been on, I've gone away and I've come home and I've expected the whole world to have changed and it just hasn't. Nothing changes in a year. You know, yeah. Nothing changes. If you're worried about missing out on something, you are not missing out on anything. You know, No trip that we've ever taken with our kids has been a disaster. Every single country we've been to has been amazing. We'd go back. So pick a place go for it, start small, add an extra week each time you go and just start by booking somewhere and just, um, just go, do it. go, go. <laughs> thank you so much it. for talking to us today, Rachel. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so impressed and we can tell um, our listeners that they can go to Frank and Dolly to see yeah. uh, what you guys do but also some beautiful pictures from uh, your various travels. So obviously you're kind of doing photo shoots of your clothes in, in the destinations that you're going to. Yeah, and and it's so much fun, you know, photo shoots in Rome and London and New York. And, yeah, look, our our business works in perfectly with travel. But, you know, you can run anything from a laptop these days. Well, that's right. All you need is Wi-Fi, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Well, that's it. Every time we book somewhere, Joel's like, has it got Wi-Fi? Has it got Wi-Fi? Absolutely. It's, It's amazing. Thank you so much for talking to us today, Rachel. 
It is that time again. It is time for Nailed and Failed, and we have one from our listeners this week. But first of all, Andrew Dado, I want to hear yours. Well, I failed. Our middle one, at 17, is not a good flyer, right? So she can become nauseous. And I think that she's just putting it on because she doesn't want to eat the plain food. Oh, really? So I've said to her, listen, I don't actually think you are sick. I think you're hungry. I think if you just eat the plain food, you'll be fine. She goes, okay, Dad. And then we're going to get off the plane. And she goes, I'm going to be sick. I'm going, you're not going to be sick. She goes, Dad, 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 Dad. I said, Bibby, come on. You're fine. And then ducks in, gets the bag. The sick bag? And is violently oh, ill. Oh, no. Repeatedly. Made her eat the food. Then, no, no, no. She didn't eat the food. She was actually sick. She, just the air travel makes her ill. Her and Jazzy flew home alone, and then on the long leg, she <laughs> she was basically sick. However many That's times. That's a curse. Yeah. And so I've said to her this morning. Said, listen, nailed and failed. Nailed and failed. What do you reckon? She goes that you don't think I get air sick. You just think I've got a thing against plain food. And I went, okay, oh, fail. Oh, you did fail. Yeah. And that will come back to haunt. Poor Bibby, because you want to travel and now you're thinking every time I'm going to get on a plane, I'm going to vomit everywhere. Yeah, and she gets wound up. Oh, how bad is it when you're a parent and you go, that's fine, don't worry about that. that. And then it turns out that they're violently ill or yes, they have chopped their finger off or it was a spider bite. It's fine. (laughs) It will stop bleeding. (laughs) Well, my brother, buddy, broke his foot and mum goes, you stepped on a bee. You've stepped on a bee. And he goes, Mum, she says, you're allergic to bees? You've stepped on a bee. Three weeks later, he goes, it still hurts. She goes, that bee bite again. Go to the doctor, get an x-ray, broken bone in the foot. I don't know why I'm laughing, but it's just funny. You say it to Mum now, she goes, well, looked like a bee bite. (laughs) When I broke my hand in a fight, uh, she goes... How old were you when you did that? Grade six, one fight in my life. Anthony Ledland, (laughs) yeah. He broke his nose, I broke my hand. She goes, nah, it's not broken. She taped a tennis ball into the inside of my hand. Had to live like that for a week until finally I went to the doctor. If that was now. Five kids! No, I'd do it. I would do it now. now. She would have put you on the internet walking around with this tennis ball, gaffer tape in your hand. What a claw! This is what you get for fighting at school, Andrew. (laughs) Five kids. My mum's a very good mother. And just, sorry, on the fail, on the nail side of it, is when the girls came home by themselves, we got mum and dad to come up. We live in Sydney, they live in Melbourne. They came up and looked after the girls for the two weeks that we went home. And that is a nail. That is a that nail. That was a gift. It's a gift, gift for our kids to spend time with their grandparents and our grandparents to spend time with the kids. And for you and Jackie to, to spend time. time with each other. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's a winner. The circle of life yeah. was complete. Oh, it was really good. Okay, how'd you go? Well, you know how I was telling you last week about how we had an amazing holiday in the Territory and it was great and Matilda was, you know, jumping off rocks and fighting crocodiles and all the things. She wasn't actually fighting crocodiles before anyone writes in about that. But what is interesting is she's kind of come back a bit of a changed person. So since we've been back, she literally walked into her bedroom on the first day she came back and tore down all of the unicorn pictures, all of the princess pictures, anything pink. She's refusing to wear any of her many, many, many unicorn-themed T-shirts or anything pink. She only wants to wear boys' clothes and do boy things, right? And I say boys' clothes in inverted yeah, commas because I know there's it's no fine. such thing. It's fine. This is fine with me. Right? Matilda is doing this. This is who she is. It's fine. Go for your life. But... She came back, she went straight back to school or to vacation care at school and then school and people commented on this, right? The other kids, they commented on this. They're kind of like, 
Well, A, because she was walking up to them and going, I don't like unicorns anymore. I, I, am, <laughs> now, I, I, I am now a crocodile wrestling legend. And some of the kids have been teasing her. This is difficult for me because she's coming home a bit upset that she's being teased. But also I'm like, well, what did you think was going to happen? Hang on. What? She's being teased for what? For not being girly. So basically she's put aside the girly stuff. She used to like to wear like sequiny things and the flashing shoes and she loved unicorns. She's in public school yeah, and with she, a uniform? Yeah, yeah, but it's been vacation care. So she didn't have to wear her uniform uh. every day. She could wear normal clothes, right? What's she wearing? Things will be better now. Just talk through what she's... She's literally just wearing jeans and a T-shirt. She's not wearing anything outrageous. She's wearing jeans and a T-shirt and boots, but they're like... What sort of boots? Big Doc (laughs) Martin-y boots. And she's, you know, I don't want to play with my LOL dolls. I don't want to... All the things that she and her girlfriends used to bond over. Okay. Right? So basically she's... She's left the group. She's left the group, right? She's in a different phase. And who knows how long this phase will or won't last for. And I I honestly don't care. Like, go for your life, Matilda. Be living your truth. All that stuff, right? That sounds like a good phase to be in. Yeah, it's a good phase. But the problem is... Her friends, probably understandably, who still think that LOL dolls and unicorns are cool, are a bit shitty about the fact that Matilda's telling them that they're not. And so they're kind of teasing her and giving her a hard time. I think my fail, although really it's more of a cry for help. (laughs) (laughs) Which is what all fails are. So she came home and she said, and I don't want to make this sound more dramatic than it is. It's really not that dramatic, but everything's dramatic when you're eight, right? So she comes home and she says, so-and-so and so-and-so are teasing me because I don't like unicorns anymore and they didn't want to play with me today and I had to sit by myself, right? And then the next day she's like, I don't want to go because none of my friends are going to play with me because I'm not like them anymore, right? I said, suck it up, princess. What did you expect? (laughs) That's pretty much what I said. Please tell me you said princess now that she's abandoned (laughs) the whole princess lifestyle. Please tell me you said princess. (laughs) I basically said to her, sweetheart, it's fine. They're still your friends. You just like different things. Don't make a big deal out of it. Just get on with stuff. And she's like, but they're being mean. And why are they being mean to me? And I don't fit in. And so then I felt really bad. And then am I supposed to tell her, you tell those girls they have to play with you? I can't do that. Like, you've been here before. What am I supposed to do here? Do I get involved in this situation? What you do is when she, when she gets out of the car, you take a sticker with a unicorn on it and you pat her on the back and you go, have a great day, darling, like that. And she's got a unicorn on her back. And they see that and they go, yeah, she still really is one of us. She's just pretending and it'll all be fine. It's all this stuff about phases. That's really helpful. Thank you. This stuff about phases and friendship and how seriously to take your kids' sensitivities around that. It's difficult. I think you take her sensitivities seriously, but you don't buy into the relationship with the other parents and things like that. Like You don't ring them and say, Deirdre's not playing with Matilda because that's just the beginning of the end. That's bad. Yeah. So take your daughter's concerns and listen to her concerns. Yep. Down on one knee. Nod and smile. Nod and smile. I get it. I understand. Ah, that must be terrible. Try again tomorrow. See how you go. I'm sure it'll be all right. But it's when the parents buy in and go, you know, hey, listen, it's Holly. (laughs) Deirdre. Deirdre got upset. Then Matilda told her that LOL dolls were stupid. And now they're not talking. And then I'm like, why am I a grown up getting myself involved in a conversation about little girls and dolls? Yeah. And I think I've told you this before, but there was something about playing cards and Someone had been overseas and bought copy cards, the Pokemon things, and was diluting the pool of real cards with fake cards. And phone calls went amongst the parents. And it's just like, oh, Oh. Jesus Christ. 
Seriously. Haven't we all got better things yeah. to do? Now, you can send us your nailed and failed anytime, or you can tell me what to do about my daughter's phase problems, or any comment on anything else we talk about on the show. Please email us at tgm at mamamia.com.au or call us anytime on our pod phone, which is 028999386. Andrea emailed us and she said, I nailed it this week. My six and seven year olds had me close to meltdowns around dinner time by refusing to eat or complaining about what I serve up. So I've recently introduced Kids' Choice Fridays. Each Friday night, the kids get to choose what they have for dinner. And yes, this may include the occasional Happy Meal, but they can't have that every week. The other nights, they still try and put food on the table that they like. So I have a chart, and if they end up with one cross for any of the other six nights, they don't get their choice at the end of the week. Three rules she has. You need to finish everything on the plate. Now, see, this would be war in our house. Yeah. And it would be war with me and my wife, because I grew up in a eat-everything-on-your-plate house. Mm. Jackie's not a believer in that. Rule one, finish everything on the plate. Rule two... No complaining. Three, be polite and grateful. Hashtag. She didn't say hashtag. I just added that in. (laughs) Hashtag grateful. So my son can't get enough of saying, "Mm, Mom, this is the best. You're the best cook ever. Which is actually really clever. It's really, really clever. Because say it enough, you'll believe it. It's funny, the whole eat everything on your plate is tricky. And we spend a lot of time going two more bites, three more bites, all that kind of stuff. It gets exhausting. But this is a good plan because she's giving them a treat. Kids' choice night, but it's only once a week, mm. so you have to get a whole week in first. Yeah, and one Very cross, smart, Andrea. One cross and you're out. So well done. I wouldn't want to be messing up in your house. One cross <laughs> and you're out. That's good. In our house, unfortunately, you get about 15 strikes before yeah. you're out. Yeah, and then the next one's <laughs> going to be serious. Any minute now, we're going to do what we said we were going to do. You know what's after <laughs> two? Two and a half. <laughs> yes. If you're looking for the next thing to listen to, we can highly recommend checking out Mia Friedman's interview with Peggy Orenstein. Peggy is a brilliant author specialising in the area of girls and sexuality. And so if you have a teen or a tween daughter, this one is a must listen. Search for No Filter Peggy Orenstein in your podcast app or follow the link in the show notes to listen to this episode. This glorious mess is brought to you by Mamma Mia and we'll see you on the homepage mamamia.com.au. Thanks for listening.